Hey everyone, welcome to the GTM News Show. I have Ross here today. Hey Ross. Hey Taylor, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on. Really looking forward to our conversation. So, Ross is a uh, uh, is a content creator. He runs a content uh, agency, all sorts of fun stuff. I found him on LinkedIn because he creates some awesome content on there. Thank um, you. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing and. Uh, really looking forward to diving deep into content marketing, creating content. It's one of those topics that um, even just the idea of content, like unless you're like uh, a, an influencer by nature, you just love to create and love to, uh, whether it's written or audio or video, it can be a really daunting task, number one. And then number two, we live in this age, um, actually two more points. Number two, we live in an age where there's so much content Right. So how do you stick out and and is it still does it still make sense to create content for your organization? And right. number three, we're now into this new world of AI. Right. Yes. Um, and uh, tons of content uh, being created and whatnot. So I'd love to just hear from you, Ross, just to start out uh, a B2B organization. Right. You're yep. whether you're a software company or a service company. Why does it make sense to have a content strategy in 2023? Kind of right. lay down your kind of philosophy around really the effectiveness of content and, and why does it make sense to still create content? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a, at the end of the day, the foundation of the internet is content. Every time we interact with anything online, it's typically another form of content, whether we're going to find out where we should eat dinner, we're reading content from somebody else who's left reviews on TripAdvisor. Um, literally, the people who are listening to this podcast are consuming content as they hear my voice in their earbuds or in front of their TV, if they're watching it on YouTube, whatever it may be. It's all content. So when we think about content and the role that it plays, um, there's no question in my mind that it's a worthy investment because B2B brands are selling to people. And people, since the beginning of time, have consumed content to connect with one another, to improve themselves, to learn, to develop, and to essentially go through this human experience. If you think back to hieroglyphics all the way through to today with AI, there's one fundamental truth and that is the fact that content continues to be a part of the human experience, no matter if you're talking B2C, B2B, whatever, humans want content. Hmm. Well said. I think that's super, super well said. And um, I always think about from content, there's, especially from a, a business standpoint, there's two types of content you can create. There's one type of content that kind of positions your brand, makes your brand look good. It could be your website. It could be case studies. It could right. be messaging, differentiation, et cetera. The other side of content is what I kind of coined as selfless content, which is right. how do you educate people? How do you provide value? Right. And, the, and this yeah. podcast is a great example. Any thoughts there on where, where is the future content uh, leading? Because I feel like so much of the past 10 years, especially in the B2B world, maybe the past 20 years, especially yeah. online, has been that first pillar of content, right? Just get your name out there, yeah. position yourself, et cetera. Where do you feel like content's going um, kind of in that frame? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for folks to understand is like at the end of the day, when you think about selfless versus selfish content, um, the selfless content where you actually help people and you provide them with utility, you provide them with value, that content always wins over the selfish side of content. And there's no question that there's always going to be a place for that content because that content can convert, it can drive results, it can drive real business transactions. 
But the selfless content is the content that builds a competitive edge. And it's that content that really gives you the ability to connect more deeply with your audience and the people that you're trying to influence. So um, I think as we go into the next 10 years, the next 20 years, we're going to continue to see more and more creators trying to create selfless content. And what's going to shift is that it's going to be done with intention. I think it's now the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, where it's becoming more clear to people that if you create valuable content, then you can reap the benefits. And as much as it's selfless in the sense that you are doing a service to others, you're also going to benefit, right? I always have this belief that if you add value to the world, the world gives you value back. And I think the same idea exists with content. If you give away a ton of value online for years at a time, you are eventually going to generate a lot of value back. That could be monetary, that could be through relationships, that could be opportunities. There's a ton of different ways that it comes back. But if you add value to the world and the world actually agrees that this is valuable things that you're putting out there, then value will come back to you. And my career has literally been built on the back of this. Like it, from the early days, I said, I need to create as much valuable content as I can because I need to be able to break into this industry of tech and of startups and of business. So I'm going to go into these various communities where the people who I want to sell to are spending time. And I'm going to give away all of my ideas, all of my advice for free. And I did that time and time again. I actually blocked it off in my calendar to add value in different communities in my calendar. And by doing that, I was able to build relationships. Those relationships then led to opportunities and those opportunities led to contracts and those contracts led to revenue and that revenue led to a team and the team led to a company and the company and so on and so forth. So you add value through selfless content and the world gives you value back. Long answer, small question, but I hope that was valuable. That's great, Ross. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and uh, my career has been a testament to a very similar, very similar strategy. I'm curious, um, as far as you mentioned, a couple times you mentioned, you know, over years, yeah. and over, um, you know, keep on giving, you know, and you block right. off time on your calendar. I think I saw a social post where you block off a day yeah. a week uh, yeah. on your calendar, which is super cool and, and very intentional. I'd love to just talk about maybe the long game when it comes to content. Right. Um, so many folks are like, you know, they put something out there and, you know, it's crickets. Right. Um, even with this podcast, right? I've been doing this right, for about right. six months now and I'm like, I want more traction. You know, right. Do right, I, do I, right. How do I do I yeah. change up the format? Whatever. Right. Um, well, yeah, what's, what's your thoughts on that? And where do you maybe is there any sort of uh, signals you look yeah. for of like, is this working? Should I change it up or do yeah. I just need to stay on the path? I view content. So. When I first got into the industry, like money wasn't a thing. I had no money. I was broke. I had no cash to be able to say, oh, I'm going to buy myself a ticket to fly to this event and speak at this conference. That didn't exist. So to me, I could spend time. I could spend a lot of time creating things online because the bar to entry is low. It's zero. You just need to get some good coffee, put in your headphones and create and create and create. And then you're off into the races. So to me, every single thing that I created on the internet, I had a mental framework in my mind that those were assets that I was creating. I might not have had enough money to actually go out and buy a bunch of stocks and bonds. I didn't have enough money to go out and buy real estate, but I did have enough time to create a long form blog post on a certain topic. I had time to write an ebook. I had time to research psychology trends that were shaping B2B marketing in 2022 or whatever it may be. I had time to create those pieces. And when I put my time into those pieces, I viewed them as an investment. Now, everything that I invested in, not, not everything was a hit. Some of them were flopped. Some of them made no money. The same way in a stock market, if you invest in some penny stocks, they might go to zero. 
That's a real thing. The same thing happened with content. I would send out a tweet, it might get 20 impressions, but in the back of my mind, I had a mentality and a perspective that maybe one of those impressions were a CEO, were a CMO, et cetera, and that's good. So let's continue with it next week, the day after, so on and so forth. When I write these blog posts, I would track, okay, how much traction did I get? Did I get results? Did I get leads? Did people reach out to me? Did I get comments? I use those signals to determine whether or not this asset that I created was paying ROI. Now, here's where most people go wrong. They create these assets and then they don't get any traction. They see that the results are mediocre and they call it quits and that's it. They walk away and they go and do something else. For me, my perspective was different. Once those assets were created, I wanted them to continue to generate value and to continue to reap rewards for me as a professional for years to come. So I continued to optimize them. I continued to promote them. I continued to distribute them. I continued to look at the data to identify which pieces were resonating and then double down on the things that were working and then rinse and repeat on that time and time again. So for me, this thinking that every single piece of content was an investment and was now an asset that I acquired and that I controlled, I now had it to treat it as such and try to optimize that thing, distribute that thing, repurpose that thing until I started to see the ROI from it. I love that idea and that uh, concept of comparing it to an asset, right? And right. I think a lot of times we think of content as, you know, that one hit, you get it out there, it goes viral or not, success or not, whatever, right. uh, versus thinking of something that you can continue to uh, distribute or repurpose, yeah. et cetera. Let's talk about content distribution for a second. Yeah, um, yeah I'd love to hear your thoughts. You, you write a lot about this online, the power right. of content distribution. You've yep. hinted at it already. Could you go a little bit deeper in, into that? Definitely. So over the last, I would say, 10 years, there's been a real shift in content marketing where a lot of content marketing agencies have popped up, a lot of content strategists have popped up, a lot of content creators have popped up, and we've lost sight that content marketing is a two-word industry. And we've doubled down on this idea of content, where we create content, we create content, we write content, we develop content, we record a new video, we create a new podcast, write a new blog post, and literally this is all that is being sold, right? The gurus have told the world that content is king and everyone's listened. Great, that's awesome. Because back in the day, no one was creating content. Everyone was just running TV ads. Everybody was just putting up billboards, trying to get a good radio spot. That was it. There was no content being created with business intent on the internet. But we went way over the top with creating content. Like, beyond creating content. It's just content, content, content. You throw AI in and now we're creating even more content. The scale in which content is being created is ridiculous right now. It is because of this that it is noisier than ever. It is harder to stand out than ever. And more than ever before, we're seeing algorithms change and completely flip organizations on their head. So that is the state of the industry today. Content marketing has become essentially a content production game. And I believe that we need to add marketing back into our industry. And that starts by embracing two things. One, research, but also distribution. We have to market the content that we create. We can't just focus on creating content. We have to take those pieces of content that we've developed and think about how can we repurpose these items? How can we turn a blog post into a series of status updates on LinkedIn? How can we turn it into a thread on X? How can we turn it into a carousel on LinkedIn? How can we turn this same blog post into a script that I'm now going to speak to on a podcast or on a YouTube video, whatever it may be. We need to be thinking in that way, but for some reason, Somewhere along the lines, marketers have gotten so caught up in writing a blog post that they press publish and they think that's when you pop the bubbly. Instead of thinking this is when the journey begins and now we have to start thinking about what newsletters should we be sponsoring to get this feed, this featured into? 
Who do we need to send this to as an email because they're in our sales pipeline? How can I share this on my LinkedIn? How can I share this on X? What Slack communities am I in that I should be distributing it into? Those are mentalities and perspectives that are no longer built into the marketing DNA and it's a problem. Marketers need to market the content that we're creating and not be obsessed with just creating the content. I love that. And I think that ties in a lot with definitely my experience with um, even like if you do a virtual event or a webinar, right? They're like, hey, let's do a virtual event or a webinar. And the execution of the actual webinar or virtual event kind of falls flat. And um, ultimately there's, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's ultimately just, yeah, falls flat and there's not, uh, my camera's doing some weird things. <laughs> um, there's, uh, yeah, it falls flat and you actually don't get the folks to your event that you need to, um, whatnot. And so what I found is really focusing on how do you how do you get people actually to your webinar, right? How do you right. actually follow up to folks and get folks to your webinar uh, versus act, you know just um, getting your webinar out there and you know sending it to a few people. Right. And then also, if you think about, I think you said it really well there too. Uh, think about your your content as an actual product, right? If yeah. you're actually then marketing it like you would a product, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. With the same intent, with the same goal of the goal is to get people's attention, right? And in exchange for their attention, you're giving them value, exactly. right? And so you think about your content as a product. I think actually marketing in general, should you think about it like a product, right? It's like your yeah. organization's first product. Right, um, right. It should provide value. And yeah. in exchange for providing value, you get somebody's attention. Right. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, the world of uh, um, AI and just your thoughts mm -hmm. on you know, how do we create content that, that does stand out um, and, and differentiates it uh, from, you know, the, the cookie cutter, you know, I think right now, AI right now, the content isn't necessarily phenomenal, right? If you just ask ChatGPT to create something for you, you can yeah. tweak it. But um, I know eventually, right, a year down right. the road uh, or very yeah. soon in the future, it's going to be really good. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts and, and mindset around it? You just it? nailed it. You mentioned tweaking it. The tweaks mm. have to be quite significant, but the tweaking must be a part of the process. If you believe that you can just go to ChatGPT, you can go to Jasper, you can go to Copy AI, you can go to one of these tools and just say, hey, write me a blog post about um, all of the trends shaping X, Y, and Z and write a great blog post, you'll get a good blog post. It might be decent, like a junior person fresh out of school who has some time to do some research might be able to create a piece that is at that same level. But if you really want to create a piece of content, that shakes up your industry, drives leads, drives traffic, generates shares, etc. then I think you have to tweak that output significantly. And that is what I believe actually is the role of AI. I think AI in some instances will completely replace a task. But when it comes to content production, much of it still needs to be elevated by a human. And what we've done at Foundation is when we're elevating content, we have a checklist. And that checklist is essentially our responsibility to go through to humanize any AI generated piece to a point in which you wouldn't be able to consume it and think, oh, this was written by an AI. To this day, we have pieces of content that have gone on to get hundreds of thousands of shares, likes, engagements, etc., that were created with AI, but were augmented with humans. So we have this checklist where we're like, okay, at the intro, you have to make sure that the lead follows a certain formula. We need to go and find external links that are a certain type, have a certain domain authority, et cetera. We also want to ensure that we're embedding YouTube videos, we're incorporating graphs and charts, 
we're finding a study from a certain source on this topic to make sure that it's highly valued by the internet when we are doing it. We're reaching out to a third party to get a quote. We're doing all of these things which are hard work, but we're able to create a great piece of content. A great piece of content that has already been set and established as the bar of content excellence that every content marketer should strive for, except now, because we have AI, we can get there faster. Because we have AI, we can create a great piece of content faster than we could before. That is one fundamental difference that I think a lot of people don't realize. If you give AI to a good marketer, they'll be able to create good results. If you give AI to a bad marketer, they'll be able to get bad results. If you give it to a great marketer, they'll get great results faster. The only difference that AI gives us when it's equipping every single human is the rate in which you're able to get to an outcome that maxes out at your level of creativity, your own abilities, your own capacity, and your own ability to even navigate the complexities of a prompt and engineering within that to get the output that you want. So for us, we do think that AI is fundamentally changing the way that marketing is done. Anyone who denies that is confused, <laughs> like point blank. You can produce great content with it faster. You can do optimizations faster. You can use AI to analyze reports that would typically take a human probably like 10 hours to do. You can take big data, upload it to an AI and have it do an analysis. You're able to use tools like Midjourney to mock up visuals and graphics that you never would have even imagined. You're able to create so many things faster with AI and you're able to stretch the limits of human capabilities with AI. Just recently, I created a deep fake of myself where I took a tool called 11 Labs and I was able to upload all of my podcast audio from the last few years and it was able to replicate my voice. It doesn't get the Canadian accent that well, but it got very, very close. It doesn't get the abouts and abouts, like it's, it's still messed up on those, but it essentially was very close to being able to replicate my voice. And I believe in the future, that is going to be so realistic that you might be on this podcast trying to do an interview with Ross, but it actually not be me. And it will have in the back end an LLM that is trained on all of my ideas, all of my sound bites, all of my clips. And you will talk to this AI version of me while I'm sitting on a beach drinking an Aperol and Spritz, just chilling out. Like that is what I believe the future could look like. Is it scary? 100%. But as Uncle Ben once said from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So we all have to be careful when we're using this technology. That is my only caveat to all of it. So wait, am I talking to the real Ross or the AI Ross right now? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And uh, I love that perspective of yeah, using AI as a, especially for right now, obviously the the way to um, almost as an assistant, right, and, ma right. and make you more productive and um, super cool. I love. We have a couple minutes left. I'd love to hear some uh, some of your perspectives on. Uh, research. You mentioned that earlier. Okay, kind of walk me through your framework for how you do research in advance to know what type of content to create. Right. Yeah. It always starts with the audience and the ideal customer that you're trying to connect with. So I believe deeply it starts by having a clarity on who it is you're trying to talk to. And if someone says they're trying to talk to everyone, then you're probably going to have to really sink in to figure out like, who do they actually mean? Because if you talk to everyone, you don't speak to anyone. So from there, once you have that insight, then what you have to look for is what I call content market fit. And content market fit is essentially the idea that the types of content, the types of stories, the themes, the formats, et cetera, are all going to resonate and align with a certain audience that you want to connect with, that target audience. So how do you figure that out? You go into 
a first state of trying to do channel research. You have to identify the channels in which your audience is spending time. You can use tools like SparkToro, you can use tools like Audience, where you can look at your competitors' followers, you can look at your own followers, you can look at the market and what channels they're visiting, which websites they're visiting, what media publications they're consuming, and use this to inform insights around, okay, these are newsletters they subscribe to, these are podcasts they subscribe to, these are blogs they subscribe to, and these are the channels that they spend time on. Great, now that you have channel market fit, you understand where your audience is spending time, you now need to understand the content assets that they resonate with on these channels. So you go into these channels and you're looking for trends to identify how many shared, what was the most frequently shared asset published by this publication? Oh, you go into BuzzSumo and you can get that type of information. What content is this website publishing that generated the most backlinks? You go into Moz, you go into Hrefs and you can get that information. Once you have this insight and this information, you now have a few validation points to tell you that these are the types of pieces of content that resonate with this audience. You can go into a subreddit and you can sort the content by top posts. You can go into a Facebook community and do the same thing. All of this tells you are these are the stories that people in this community want. Now you have to do an analysis to identify which, what are the trends? What are the themes? Are you seeing that a certain topic shows up a lot within a certain community? For example, with entrepreneurs, if you go into a subreddit like our entrepreneur, you're going to notice the trend around there's a lot of content that shows transparency around their finances. People want to see exactly how much you made, what your profit margins were. They want you to pull back the curtain on how much traffic you generated during your product hunt launch. They want to know all of those things. That is the level of details that entrepreneurs want. So if I want to connect with entrepreneurs, I have to create that type of content. That would essentially give me content market fit. I now know that they're in this subreddit. I also know that they're on this other social channel and I know what type of content they want. So I have to create that type of content, deliver it back to them time and time again with different tweaks, with different adjustments. And I am essentially going to do that until the cash register stops ringing. And that is the research process that you go through um, to really understand what type of stories and messages are gonna resonate with the audience that you're targeting. Super cool. I love that. I love all those uh, points. I'm definitely going to follow up on some of those myself, actually, because they're some good, good ideas. Um, quickly, before we finish, wrap up here, pitfalls. What are some common, like, couple pitfalls that just immediately come to mind that when people start doing content, um, I know probably one of them would be like, you know, having patience, yeah. uh, doing research. But I'd love to hear any other thoughts you have as far as uh, pitfalls you, you commonly see with people's content strategies. I think one of the biggest is an over obsession with metrics. Um, early on, mm. when you are just getting started, the metrics that you are tracking um, have a very small sample size because you're just getting started. So yes, you're sending out a post on LinkedIn and you got two likes, one might've been from your mom, but at the end of the day, your mom and your best friend from high school is the only people that follow you. So stop stressing. Like you have to start from ground zero because mm. you're at ground zero. So I see so many people get all upset and in a tizzy because they've been doing something for, let's say five months even, but they are struggling to see the, re the results that they want, et cetera, but they haven't broken out of their actual bubble in their own circle. So my advice to those individuals would be use other people's audiences, use other people's channels and networks and distribution channels. Like don't rely exclusively on your own, especially when you're just getting started. Go into places where there is a ton of audience, where your ideal customer is spending time, and be present there. 
Don't make the mistake of obsessing over your own individual metrics. When your metrics are already starting at zero or low sub 1000, you need to go elsewhere to get the reach and get the impressions that you deserve and then use that to validate whether or not a piece actually resonates. Because sometimes people press publish on a great piece of content, they share it on their social, they already had a small audience, they get no likes, they get no traction, they think that their content sucks. It doesn't suck, you just can't reach people because you don't have an audience. So you have to go to a place with that content where you can have an audience and then you can actually make a decision on whether or not your content sucks or if just your distribution sucks. Love that, Ross. That's awesome. I think that's a great uh, topic to finish on, especially I think the, the future, especially when you know every channel is going is to only have more content with AI, et cetera, mm -hmm. is these partnerships, right? Content, even yeah. you and I, right? Like you're coming on my yeah. podcast. Yeah. We'll both you know promote this event. We'll both get in front of our audiences, et cetera. Definitely. And uh, we both can, can tap into each other's networks, right? Exactly. Um, and I think the co-marketing is like the future in so many yeah. ways of marketing in general, whether it's marketing in general or specifically content. And you right. see this a ton in the B2C space, right? Influencers yeah. partnering together, you know, celebrities <laughs> partnering together, brands partnering together um, yeah. to be able to reach each other's audiences and you're stronger together. And, you, and I yeah. think even you don't have to do it alone, right? Like oh. building your business, marketing, content yeah. is pretty lonely sometimes. Right. And I think I've even learned from this podcast that it's so much more fun to be able to do it with somebody else and it's exponentially more effective. So great Truly. topic to end on. How can folks connect with you online, Ross? Yeah, I'm on all your favorite social channels. You can just do a quick search for Ross Simmons. I also have a podcast, Create Like the Greats. You can look it up on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, definitely check that out. And uh, Taylor, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blast chatting with you today. And I hope uh, your listeners got a lot of value out of today's chat. I, I'm sure they will. I did. Thanks, Ross, so much for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Chat soon.